0: Better already be powered up before you get here, eh? (laughs) Just talking about my mic. Actually, I try to calm down when I'm sitting there so I can get up and preach and be okay. Gospel's good. We're singing, oh, what a Savior, huh? And don't ever get rhetorical with the gospel. Don't just think you know it. You want to know Him. You don't just want to know the story. You want to know Him. Amen? Sometimes you just get so familiar with the story. The goal is knowing Him. And I think about this stuff. And the Holy Spirit has always grew my heart to think about this stuff. Like, I'm not in a hurry. I take my time. I read and I think. And I'm praying. And I'll just cover a scripture or two. And it's just like, what? And I remember when I first got saved, Pastor. I sat on my bed. See, I mean, his emotions just flood me right now because it's real. It, I'll fight that off. I won't play that card on you. But I sat on my bed and I remember I just couldn't get over because I heard the gospel my whole life, but I couldn't get over that God would come in the flesh, that God would put himself in a woman and be born of a woman, that, that he thought man was so valuable to him and so important to him, that there was a purpose in man that was so intense to God, that he would actually come and, and become a man to pay the price to redeem mankind and get him back on track. And I just dwell on that. It would just freak me out. It would be like that, that God would put himself in the womb of a woman, like, that's the Lord. He's just sitting in there. Crockpot. For nine months. The Lord. That nothing was made that wasn't made through him. That holds all things together by the word of his power. Is a little tiny feet is curled up in the womb of Mary. Mind-boggling. He must really be on a mission. Let's not miss the mission. Paul said, I'm going to go after this thing till I lay a hold of that which he laid a hold of me for. Jesus has intention in purchasing you. He has great purpose. Please, let's not reduce this to some story or something that blesses me or something that takes me to heaven when the bell rings. Man, it's so much bigger than that. And, and all week we've been talking about it. I know I'm on a Sunday, a uh, second service Sunday. And there's folks here that couldn't be here over the weekend and stuff. And we did four. I, this, is my, this is my fifth service. Good. I like it. Who's, who's in here? And this is the first time I'm getting to the honor of seeing you. And, and this is the first time I've seen you this weekend. This is the first service you've been able to be at. Okay. See, I knew there was a handful of you. Let me just bring you up to speed real quick. Hey, buddy. Sorry, family reunion. Uh, Let me just bring you up to speed. This is where we've been all week. Week. uh, End. The whole purpose of the cross is your transformation. I'm just nutshelling right now. I'm going to try to nutshell four services in ten minutes or five minutes. It's going to be tough, but I'll do it. We'll do it. Maybe we won't. Maybe it'll turn into a whole message. The whole reason Jesus died on the cross was your Transformation. He paid the price to put his life back inside of you. His ways, his motives, his purpose, his heart, his love, everything that he is, the nature of God wants to come back into man. We become one with him. Bible says in first John four, it talks about God being love and he is love and he is love and he is love. It goes. He is love. It says it four or five times. He is love. And then and then it says, and as he is. So are we in this world. You know when it says that on the heels of this, this is when you know love is perfected, that you have boldness, boldness, confidence, boldness in the day of judgment. Well, that's a tough day in your Bible. That's a day of fear. That's a day of terror. That's a day of dread. But you can have boldness in that day. What gives you boldness in that day? Because as he is, so are you right now in this life, in this world. He ain't talking about a worship service. He ain't talking about being a tither. He ain't talking about going on a mission trip and feeding the poor. He's not talking about all the Christian things we do. He's talking about becoming like him. He's not talking about what we do. He's talking about what we are. Because as he. So are. You find me a limitation in that. That's scripture. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't say, well, yeah, but brother, and stop. He paid for that. He sees that. Why would God put himself in the womb of a woman if he didn't think what he was paying was worth purchasing? Come on. You know your two-for-one sale thing. You're a 60% off. You even wait for 60% off, man. You think, well, the season's over. It's 50. If I wait a week, it might go 60. I'll hold off. Bottom line is this when you write the check, you're sure the thing you're purchasing is well worth the price you paid, or you wouldn't have paid it. Come on, nobody walked into a car lot and said, 12.5. Man, that's a nice car. Kelly Blue Book, it. What? 12.5. Kelly Blue Book says 12.8. And they're selling it for 12.5. Hey, man, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is a nice car. Nice car. That's a good price in the window, too, man. But that's a nice car. Oh, it's nice, man. We just got it marked down. Uh, you know, we're making just so much commission. We got it for this and we got it. And they always do your thing. And you're always believing they're lying because they're a salesman. And, and you're thinking 12.5, Kelly Blue Book's 12.8. And you're still trying to get him to 11.7 and cover my taxes and transfer fees and stuff. <laughs> Bottom line is this. When you finally make the bargain, the deal, and you cut the check, guess what you believe? That what you're buying is well worth the price that you wouldn't be paying for. And he shed the blood of his son to redeem your life. You're far from worthless. You're far from a sinner saved by grace. You have the potential of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And please believe that. You have the potential of Christ in you. He paid for Christ in you. Nobody ever walked onto that car lot and said, "Dude, that's a nice car." Twelve five. Kelly Blue Book says twelve eight. Yeah, I know. Well, we're, we're trying to be fair, and we got it at a good price, and we don't need to. We're not trying to make a lot. We're just making a fair price. Well, I'll tell you what, dude. I'll give you fourteen one. Has anybody ever done that? Car salesmen say no. <laughs> But while we were yet sinners. And in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, why? Because he didn't want to leave us ungodly because he didn't create us to be ungodly and he didn't see us ungodly. In our destiny. And he wanted to take out the old heart of stone and put in a new heart of flesh, and he wanted to breathe life into us and put his spirit into us. This thing is way bigger than you pray in a prayer to go to heaven and then attending a word preaching church. This thing is about you becoming what He paid for, and I just want to encourage you this morning. We've been trained in a lot of ways. We got a lot of rationale. We got a lot of thoughts. We got a lot of yell butts, and well, you don't understand. And and we got a lot of rationale that we've been trained by that has talked us out. If we're not careful, of straight truth that wants to change our lives. We have a lot of reasons, excuses, things that aren't evil. They're not evil. They're usually just deceived. They're not intentional sometimes. Sometimes they are, but not always. I usually don't believe they are. I think a lot of times they're just, we're just misunderstanding. We're just not seeing. And we have a lot of yell butts in our life that never came from the, the realm of truth. Yeah, but you don't know how I feel. But Yeah, but it's been a tough season, Pastor. Yeah, but lighten up. I mean, you don't even know what I've been going through, man. And see, as long as we have that alibi you're saying you'll never become what he paid for. There will always be a reason to not arrive. And you always justify where you are. And even if where you are isn't where he paid for, you'll be settled there because you believe your yell butt. So you won't have a conviction to be transformed and grow up into him in all things. And you'll live by rationale and you'll create your own little thing and you'll say everything else is denial or hypo-preaching or not facing reality or keep it real, brother. You ought to probably talk to Jesus about keeping it real. He kept it pretty real. He was treated unjust like no man ever will be in history. He was never more right than any man has ever been and was never treated more wrong than any man will ever be. And he did not have issues. And he didn't say a word. That is impressive. And amazing. And when I look at Jesus and see that and he paid a price to put who he is in me, I want that. I want to have a perspective, man. I want to look through eyes that look at people that are doing you wrong when all you did was right and calling you right wrong. And you'll be able to handle that and not change your view of them. And realize that deep in your heart they have way more destiny. And forgive them, Father, they don't know what they do. Because if they really saw who they were, and if they really knew who they were, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. And I'm not going to let what they're not decide where I am. Because my life is rooted and grounded in Christ. Come on, we've been pushovers, man. We think we're in control and everything else is telling us who we are. (laughs) We're thinking we're driving the car and we ain't even at the wheel. At a very young age, people are nothing more than how they responded to how it went down. And you get laughed at at a very young age, and you become hurt and introverted and broken or hard in a fighter, but neither one is the true you. And you have your alibi, and you have your explanation, and you have your story, and you can still remember how they laughed, and it feels like yesterday, and you're 35. But I'm telling you, that's all a lie. And it's time to get born again. And it's not a prayer that we pray to go to heaven. It's heaven coming back into you. The kingdom of God is. Here at hand. We're not waiting to go there. It came here. The kingdom of God is at hand means the kingdom of God is within reach. Here's why it's in reach. Here's a man of God. Here's a born again man of God. The kingdom of God is within reach. Go preach saying. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's not talking about buying a bullhorn. He's talking about letting your life speak transformation. That you're living from another realm. That you're in the world, but you're not of the world. That you're, you're, you're out of darkness into the light. That you're not conformed to the world. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you don't see what you used to see. Because the light of the world has come. Are you with me? Very important. I'm just here to stir you up. I told the early congregation, I told them not to make you leave with them when they leave. I said, don't go out there and say, hey, you don't want to go in there. I said, you let them come in. I I said, said, when you leave, don't you take them people with you. We had fun with it. But I see y'all came in. I said this the other day, Pastor. I said, Pastor Allen's biggest Trap A local pastor's biggest trap, being a local pastor's biggest trap, is getting tricked into just trying to do better church and having better services that people want to attend instead of empowering people to live life when they leave and look like Jesus. And there's so many people church shopping that pastors are tempted to work on providing a product they're looking for instead of giving them a message Jesus paid for. And we've learned how to do amazing church. But we run the risk of not being her. If that's all we're coming for. So all of a sudden we know how to do church, but we're not being her. And all of a sudden our identity gets wrapped into what we're a part of and what we belong to. And all our identity is wrapped into Christian things instead of Christlikeness likeness and knowing him. They're just little traps. They're little subtleties. But man, they have extreme complications. His biggest challenge as a local pastor is, is 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 just learning how to do better church, just wanting to do better church instead of empowering people to live when they leave and and marrying, coming and going. It's not that he preaches his message every day, every Sunday, it's that he just keeps it in front of you. Hey, remember why we're here. Hey, Christ, he might have a message on something, totally a topic in the Bible that he feels like it's imperative for us to all grow in together. And that's totally awesome. It's not that you have to preach this message every Sunday. We talked about this this morning. It's on my heart now we did just. us. But here's the goal, Pastor Allen gets up here and stirs you in love and good works in some way, even if his message is uh, something about family or marriage, or receiving communion. Or just the strength and truth of water baptism. Or you just talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit for a couple of weeks. But in that process, you still keep in front of the people. Remember, this is why you woke up. This is why we're alive. This is why He came. This is who you are. Why? Because He keeps us stirred yeah. in loving good work. So you don't go to work on Monday and let your boss dictate your attitude. And all of a sudden you feel sorry for yourself. And now you're looking for another job because you can't stand the people you work with. Because when you run from that, it will be where you go. Because it's you. It's not them. It's the way you see. It's not them. Forgive them, Father. They. Let me ask you a question. The people you've been struggling the most in your life. That hurt you the most. If you have a little track record. Even if you're okay now and you've grown past it. and stuff, The times you've been hurt in your life. Truly, genuinely hurt. And you had a hard time passing through it. Without the, the thought of just being hurt. Let me ask you this. This is what Jesus taught me a long time ago, and we, we share this a lot back home. If those people that we're talking about, if they knew who they were, if they were in love with Jesus and absolutely filled with Holy Spirit, would they have did what they did and said what they said? Then why are you taking where they're not personal and becoming a product of where they're not? Why don't you hurt for them? Why do you hurt because of them? Because they're lost. Why are you letting their loss make you lost? Come on, be honest with me. If they really knew, if they were really filled with Jesus, would they have done what they did? We say where Christians were to be filled with Jesus, were to cover a multitude of sin with love, were to let mercy triumph over judgment. That's not an enabler. That's not a doormat. That's not winking your eye at sin. That's loving people with the goodness of God so who He is can move in their heart and the goodness of God lead men to change. Because at some point a person gets convicted and says, man, I've been really irrational man I've been harsh with them man I've been angry I had the other night I had a young little girl come up to me and she said you were talking about that husband and how you were she said that's how I've been to my husband I've been mean I've been so mean and he's and I I (laughs) it's just good you know that sure beats justifying it stuffing it ignoring it It's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of truth. Man, if your attitude's not producing life, why would you stay in it? If your heart's not encouraged, why would you keep believing what you're believing? If you're living up and down, probably only get something more solid. (laughs) If the day of the righteous is brighter and brighter and we go from faith to faith and glory to glory and we're ascending into him, we probably ought to look at our perspective, our motivations, our reason for being. If people just move you and shift you like the wind blows, we probably ought to look at that. Because if not, we're going to reduce the gospel to just God getting us through. We're going to be praying and think it's prayer in our bedroom for God to change everybody into what we wish they were. And all of a sudden, your preferences are Lord instead of His nature and Him in your life. See, you can't let the boss get on your nerves. You're supposed to have new nerves. And if you pray for God to move you because of that, He'll never answer your prayer. You might move yourself, but He ain't moving you. He's not opening a door for you to escape. (laughs) There's no way. Because it's It's, self-centered. You're missing the point. People ask me, pray for a new job. I can't stand where I work. Man, if I hear one more F-bomb, burns me out, wears me out. By the end of the day, I'm just so drained, brother. You got to pray for me to get a new job. And I'm like, I am never going to pray that. In fact, I, you might be running a risk right now but telling me this. I might pray that God balls you and change you there for the rest of your life till you get a revelation. Because you don't realize you're actually running from truth. You're running from something. In him that he wants to form in you. So you have a totally different response. The gospel never told you, there's no scripture that told you everybody's going to treat you well and like you and build you up and encourage you and tell you good things. You're supposed to get that from Jesus the cross, from him putting himself in the womb of a woman. That says a lot about your value. If you're trying to find your value through other people, you're only as strong as the weakness you're surrounded by. And you're doing as good as they're faithful. Come on, people... People don't even realize these hidden expectations we have. You wake up. for you, you, have, you have people in position where they're set up to fail. And then you're justified in your pain because they failed. And they should have knew better. And I thought they loved me. And, and it's just a self-centered rat race world where everybody's hindered from shining. And he said, let your light so shine. But we can't because our perspective is. You with me? Come on, this is good news. This is just to help us run the race. This, don't, don't feel corrected. Feel encouraged. Nobody's spanking nobody. I promise. I'm crying out who we're called to be and created to be. We don't need animosity in our homes. It's a choice. It takes two to tango. It takes one to pursue peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. They're the sons of God. Sonship isn't a confession. It's an expression. Come on, it takes two to tango. You can't be praying for God to put out some fire that's burning that strange fire and then throwing a log in it. It takes two. It takes one to pursue peace. And one in Christ is a majority. The Bible says, in all you're getting, get understanding. We're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. You heard most of your life. What you don't know won't hurt you. It's an absolute lie from hell. What you don't know is destroying you. In all you're getting, get understanding. Right? Where does understanding come from? God, from Holy Spirit, from his word. Truth sprang out of the earth. He's the truth. He's not a truth. He's the truth. He's sure not just a good idea. He's not a theology. He's not a doctrine. He's a person. And he's the word. And he became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we beheld him. Oh my goodness, I love Jesus. <laughs> I wouldn't see if he didn't come. A great light shone. In the darkness. (laughs) The light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. Man, that's not turning us into church denominations. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I go over here. Oh, yeah, I go there. Oh, preacher, he's great. Oh, you ought to hear our worship. Whoa. And then mad at people and not manifesting Jesus, missing the whole point, letting the things you do in his name take the place of knowing him. Religion is subtle and it's wicked. Ah <laughs> Religion's wicked. It's man's attempt to get a hold of God. Christianity is God getting a hold of man. It's true. Cheer and yawn, can you tell them cheer and yawn? I'm saying, man, let's get the little foxes out of the vineyard. let's, let's run these little lies, these little mindsets that Steal life. Our hearts aren't evil. We didn't wake up to be hypocrites today. There's no I'm not. I'm not talking to a room of hypocrites. I'm talking to his children. You say, well, not everybody might be saved in here at large. I'm talking to his children. And if you're not. be His child today (laughs) say, duh, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Jesus, here I am Save me. I'm done living for me. I want to live for your will and your glory. It's pretty simple. Repent, for the kingdom of God is. Repent doesn't mean, I'm so sorry. Repent could just be, duh. Whoa, yeah. It can involve tears. There is a time of sorrow. I watched this guy cry the other day in front of the Lord. It was beautiful, it was powerful, but it was short lived, and he was never going back there again. That moment passed. Now he's a son. It was powerful. We would have baptized him. And, and I said, I said, I said, there's something you, for you to say to the Lord. I'm not sure I'm putting you on the spot. I know I didn't say this to, to Indy, but I'm saying it to you. I feel like you need, there's something you need to say before we baptize you. Just to God. Just say it to God. And he just was quiet for a little and he began to tremble and shake. And his emotions overwhelmed me. And he said, I'm sorry. Who knows, that just covers everything. Who knows, that was his heart seeing the picture of his life and going, man, I wish never would I'm sorry. And he just cried. And you could feel like on the patio, it was like, blah. You just It was hard to move forward. And then he's just crumbled up there. I'm sorry. And, he's, and all of a sudden it was like, wow, that's it. That's done. You see your need for him. You're sin conscious for a moment. But after that moment, every, every moment after that moment, you're a son. And we spoke that over him. And we baptized him. He came up gleaming and smiling like he felt happy. Broken a second ago. Broken a second ago. Sorry. The power of God, the power of the finished work, power of understanding, the contact point of faith, water baptism, dying to live, dying to live. Isn't that exciting? Man, you ought to just go home, fill your tub, you know. <laughs> It just makes me want to go get baptized. (laughs) No, I just have fun. So so I was trying to nutshell the weekend, and I, I knew I got preaching. But this is where we've been. We've been talking about the imperative of denying yourself without getting legalistic and rigid and condemned and taking your own tests and grading your own scores and feeling like you're failing. No, it's just a sincere getting alone with God and acknowledging in prayer, a lot in prayer, man, my life's not my own. Father, I thank you what you're teaching me. I'm following you, Jesus. I'm not just singing to you. I'm not praying to you when I'm overwhelmed. I'm following you. And Holy Spirit, thank you for helping me. Come on, that's a good line to go on. You wake up in the morning. Father, I thank you for this day. Man, I used to dread work. I used to despise my job. I used to feel like I'm bound to the grindstone. And, and, and the nine to five song from when I was growing up. And some of you know what I mean. And and then some of you are like, what song? <laughs> And you just say, but you know what? Life is a gift and you have just changed everything inside of me. And man, I just appreciate the tool of, of work for income and just. But man, what a mission field, what a sphere of influence. And I thank you for crafting me and fashioning me today with perspective and attitude and things that just reveal your great name to the hearts of men. Thanks for the honor to shine without me trying to turn on anything. Just thank you that you've turned me on in truth, man. I love you. Nobody owes me a thing today. My life is fulfilled in you. I'm lacking no good thing. Thank you for loving me. And you head on out the door. Boy, that sure beats all them other things we've done. Like bam, 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 bam. Snooze button, torch yourself for nine more minutes. No, and you have to get up. Right? And then bam, bam, right when you're just drifting again. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> And I go, oh, man, 6 o'clock already. Man, I didn't even get to bed till 1.30. And I had to pee twice. What a bummer, man. God, God, if you don't do something, I ain't getting through today, man. I ain't feeling it. I don't, man, I need your grace, God. Thank you, man. And then we call it prayer. That's, that's our prayer. That's prayer time. So what do you do in reality? How do you get real about this? What do you do in practicality if that's the scenario? Because we've all experienced that. That's why we're laughing. We don't, some mornings you wake up and you just don't feel like waking up. And you don't feel like getting out of bed. Some mornings you've got three, four things you've got to do before lunch and you don't even want to get out of bed. And if you don't have an answer, you call it depression. You curl up. You call sick. You cancel out. I wonder if it's just getting better perspective. I wonder if it's just laying in your bed and saying, wow. Man, I feel like I could sleep about two more straight hours. But the reality is, i got to get up. I have commitments today. But God, I just thank you. Your grace is amazing in my life. And you're the one that's just aligning my attitude. Man, a couple months ago, I'd have been grumpy right now. I'd have been looking at my flesh and talking myself out of a, a lot of things. And God, you're greater. And all of a sudden, your hands are raised in bed. And I just appreciate how you empower me and, and how you move me forward. And God, what an honor to live today in you. And I just appreciate you, God. And I just thank you for wisdom in the moment. And that people around me, without me trying, projecting, Bible thumping, bullhorning them. I just thank you. They can't help but to see who you are. Because who you are is in me. And you sit up in bed and you begin to commune and pray. And, and, a, and about a half hour later, you don't even realize you went to bed at 1.30 and peed twice. And on the way to work, you actually feel like, man. Oh, ain't that cool? It's called saved by grace through faith. And every time you release faith in the truth, grace comes to make truth your reality. You're not biting your lip to be a good Christian. You're a believer. And every promise flows to the believer. So I wonder if we're just believers. I wonder if we're not believers. <laughs> but we see our need for a savior, but we're not believers. Wonder if we prayed a prayer and we've been forgiven and the Spirit of God has moved in our lives, but we're not believers. Meaning, wonder if we're not believing to live our life in Christ. Wonder if we've just believed He's the Lord and the Savior and His blood forgives my sin. Wonder if we're not believing to live our life in Christ. Are you with me? When it's not a good place to live, not believing, all of a sudden everything else matters more than what matters most. All of a sudden, you're a product of what you're going through and what people are doing to you instead of a product of what he's accomplished. All of a sudden, your scenario and your circumstance becomes your world instead of speaking life into your circumstance, instead of ministering truth into your circumstance. All of a sudden, you get betrayed in life, unfortunately, and then you live three months betrayed instead of overcoming evil with good and shining as a light in the midst. Wouldn't it be awesome to be betrayed and not even know what it means to be betrayed because you see different? Wouldn't it be amazing to cry for them instead of because of them? Wouldn't it be incredible to not have to call for prayer and ask for healing in your broken heart because he heals the broken because he changed your perspective? <laughs> it, it's amazing how we think he, he heals the broken so we always think we have a broken heart or have to have a broken heart. wonder if we teach people that your heart doesn't have to be broken because of how you see. Jesus' heart wasn't broken, people. I can't believe my own people are doing this to me. Man, I've done nothing but good. I've healed and I've healed. I've fed their bellies. They're so willful. Oh my goodness, they don't even know who I am. I created them and they can't even see. (sighs) See how hilarious and ridiculous that sounds? You know why? Because we know who he is. Trouble is, we don't know who we are. He made us in his image and he said, as he is, so are we in this world. So if it sounds silly when I put it in his mouth, it will sound just as silly in ours. Because we were never made for these things. We were made for his image and his glory. And the cross is all about taking you out of that image and into his image. And I, I'm bold with this. Nothing else is Christianity. When you look at scripture, this is Christianity. Anything else is a form of it. It's what we've made it to fit our world. And we get tricked into following our own experiences and our own resumes rather than following him. And all of a sudden, we let what we've been through deny grace that says it can change us. And we say, well, yeah, but everybody, but you can't tell me, but look, we're all. And all of a sudden, we're identifying ourselves through ourselves instead of through him. You with me? There's a lot of yell butts out there. There's a lot of yell butts out there. And the, the tragedy of yell butts means tomorrow is always yesterday. And then there's no conviction for transformation and change because you have today justified tomorrow will be yesterday. And then you're not even convicted when you hear the word because you already yell, butted around it. And then tomorrow is still yesterday. And in 10 years, you've been going to church and you've heard 100 plus sermons but you have the same mentality and life still deciding who you are and how you are. Don't let that happen to you. You're way more than that. That isn't what he paid for. He paid for you and your redemption. And he paid to put his life inside of you so your light shines, even if your whole family doesn't believe in Jesus and is serving the devil. Your whole family's in a satanic cult and you're born again. Because they're in a the satanic called, "How are you any less anointed? How are you any less called? How do you have any less value?" Watch? Because they're in a the satanic cult, "How are they less any less valuable to God?" We let all these facts matter more than the truth that makes us free. And because we believe all the facts, we can't embrace the truth, and that's why we don't know freedom. You hear me? What we say is, I really need prayer, man. So I mean, my family doesn't even, well, nobody even, well, everybody, well, I don't even have, I'm still alone, man. No, 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 no. We're not doing Christianity. We're in fellowship with Him. To know the love of Christ is to be filled with all the fullness of God. There's a knowing that we're growing towards. There's a relationship we're all called to have. I'll just talk just a little bit about it and I'll close. Your life will never change because you sat and listened to this message your life will change because you took this message to him and we're willing for him to empower you to become it. If you don't have a yes in your heart and you don't hear this as the truth and you don't want to live this way, if you still have a chip on your shoulder, if you draw a line that people can cross and you hold on to rights that you inherited through the fall of man, then this message will never be your reality. But if you're willing to deny yourself, sounds scriptural and love not your own life unto death, you'll step into a grace that transforms you and changes your eyes. Are you with me? But to become love, you have to be willing. And this is a little painful, but as a pastor in a church even of this size, you'd be amazed how many people sit in a church this size that when it comes down to it, aren't willing to become love. They're still willing to use old wisdom and hold on to their rights. Well, you're telling me if they, and they're already painting scenarios. You're telling me if somebody, and I'm supposed to just forgive them. Well, I ain't letting, and I ain't winking at no sin. And if you do that to me, and and somebody needs to hold them accountable. And people are actually already painting scenarios, talking themselves out of what they're hearing. I've pastored, I talk to people, I'm personal with people, I spend a ton of time with people. Did you notice how much time I spend with people? I ask questions, I listen, and I learn. I'm a talker, but man, I'm a better listener. I really am. Because of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you listen, if you just let somebody talk, you can locate, identify, and possibly help. Because you can hear where they're coming from, you can find the pain, you can see how they think. You can see what they're letting matter most. And all of a sudden, they mention that person's name three times, and every time they do, their countenance changes. And you can see they're carrying that thing. And you're not supposed to carry that. You're supposed to carry your cross. And your cross is where you died. So you never let sin against you produce sin in you. You never repay evil for evil. You overcome evil with good. Why? Because your life's not your own. You're living for his glory and his great name. You're not living for your well-being. You're living for his name. He's not a survival kid. He's not here to get you through. He's here to change you. Well, that's just good straight up preaching, pastor. (laughs) I can feel that's a good sword right there. That just went in like butter. (laughs) I felt it. It was just like butter. It's amazing how we got tricked into a beneficial gospel that just gets me through. Where all my life circumstances decide my disposition, my attitude, my emotions. It's it's, it's happened in the church. Tons and tons of messages just preached to benefit us, benefit us. That's why so many discouraged people go to church. Because it's not the gospel. We're not even preaching the intention. It's not wrong to believe for things. It's not wrong to believe for a promotion. But what's important is if you don't get the promotion, you don't fall apart and quit praying. That's just self-centered. No wonder you didn't get the promotion anyway then. So whether you get the promotion or you don't get the promotion, it's not wrong to believe for it, but whether it comes or not, where, where is character auctioned off? Where do you compromise His image? Where do you become a product of not getting the promotion? See, because when you're in relationship with God and you have fellowship with God, that's what rules your life. So none of those things challenge this. Somebody gets their rent paid and they're worshiping all out. They're dancing in the front and nobody ever saw them dance, but they didn't think the rent was going to get paid and at the last minute, midnight hour, it got paid. And somebody came and said, "For I'm the Lord, and I love you." And at the midnight hour, even as Paul and Silas were in that prison, and they're prophesying, Woo! and then the songs come, and they just because the rent was paid. But next month it didn't get paid yet, and they're a day over, and now they're up up in the front, and they're standing there like this, drawing attention, waiting for somebody to come and say what's wrong. And all of a sudden, it's a dead giveaway. You don't have a relationship in a covenant with God. He's your genie in a bottle. You're just hoping he makes things work for you and things ain't working right now and you're confused so he's even in question. And if he's in question, you sure ain't being intimate with him. <laughs> Come on. If he's in question, you're not being intimate with him. And if you're not being intimate with him, you'll never get pregnant by him. You'll never give birth to what he looks like. You'll never have children that look like him, meaning fruits. You with me? Come on, this is important. We've been talking this way all weekend. Now I'm going to leave here today and go home and keep talking this way and living this way and having the time of my life. So don't get mad at me. Jump in with me. Don't try to figure me out. Been living this way for a very long time. To me, to God, it's not a long time, it's half an hour. <laughs> if a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day, then twenty-five years is probably a half an hour. I don't know, it's five minutes. I've been living this way for five minutes. I'm on to something. I got five minutes in this thing. I got twenty-five years in this thing. Living this way. You see the passion that's in my heart? Can you tell it's real to me? Or do you think I'm just a really good actor? Can you feel that passion in your heart when I'm talking? You know why? I'm not preaching my theology. I'm preaching my life. It's real to me. Preaching us. It's not my doctrine. It's not because I read my Bible and now I have a message. Hey, can I preach today? I've been reading. I got a message, brother. No, I never talked that way. I talk from who he is in my life. There's great confidence in my speech. Why? Because it's the way it is. It's the way we live. Come on, you have 100 opportunities over. Be something else. Life is always challenging. Life, things are always coming. Circumstances are a dime a dozen. Come on, Peter said, don't think it's strange. These things are happening to all your brothers all over the world. Don't turn inward. Don't get self-centered, self-focused. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't find a reason to jump ship. Stay in the race and you run worthy of a prize. Go on, these are scriptures. You have need of endurance. Don't you throw away your confidence. You have need of endurance. It's Hebrews 10, it's like 35, 36. Throw away your confidence, it's a great reward. You have need of endurance. So after you've done the will of God, you can receive that promise or reward. What's he saying? You're going to have to have endurance. Right? Talks about looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, laying aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. does not he? Looking unto. So I gotta look unto Jesus. That doesn't mean I'm looking to you, Jesus, help. <laughs> looking unto who He is, His person, what He conveyed. What He. Do you understand that Jesus did this? He came and modeled the life we were created for. I just love him so much. He like he didn't just come and preach at us. He became flesh and said, "This is what it looks like." Ah, it's one thing if you go to church, and you feel a little tired, and your mom made you come, and then the preacher is just screaming and shouting, and you isn't that and you're like, man, would you shut up? I'm hungry. Jesus did not just preach at us. There's not one thing He's asking of us that He didn't walk through. There's not one thing He's calling you to that He didn't do. He's not a controller. He's not hooked on a bunch of rules. He's he's not just giving you a rule book and throwing a test called your life in front of you and then grading your score and going, eh, eh. He's so merciful, he's so compassionate, he can sympathize in the sense that he understands because he came in the flesh. He knows what we're going through. He was faced with all those challenges, tempted at all points, yet without sin. What a God, what a Savior! He's not just preaching at us. He came and said, this is how you do it, guys. This is what it looks like. And you commune with the Father, and when you see me, you see him, because we're one. And he's always with me, because I always do what he says. That's Jesus. And then he says, follow me. What's he saying? This is your birthright. This is your birthplace. This is where you were intended from the beginning. When Adam ate the tree, it was all lost. I took care of that through my blood. I got it all back. Come on in. That's the gospel. You can't. You can't say yes to that and keep the same attitude and mentality and be self-centered and feel sorry for yourself and be angry and throw a fit just because you feel like it or whatever. You can't do that. That's not Christian. That's the old, not the new. Jesus said, if anybody. Here's what we say. If anybody wants to come after him, make sure you pray this prayer. And we call it the sinner's prayer. and We get everybody to quote this prayer we made up about 80 years ago. As a tool. I'm not against it. It can be used as a tool. But if you use that as a tool, make sure you give them the full gospel and tell them what they're buying into. Don't just get them to pray a prayer and make heaven their goal. Heaven's not their goal. Transformation's the goal. Putting off the old and putting on the new is the goal. The last thing we need is another confession Christian that goes to church and hates their wife and is mean to their kids and yells at their boss. The last thing we need is another confession Christian that's self-centered discouraged and angry and frustrated and hopeless because God didn't answer their prayer Come on I'm just being raw and real this morning If you get mad at me I'd probably be concerned that's a real warning because I'm probably then really touching something and talking to you Don't get tricked don't say, you're being insensitive you don't know what I'm going through well, see, I know you might be going through something, but you're not concerning what he went through. You're not letting his life be your life. You're letting your life be your life and your hope. And he helps that. Come on. What I'm saying is not hard to hear. You can hear it. Sometimes people where their hearts are, it's hard to accept because they've so built a wall. They've lived in a stronghold of whatever a language that. But I'm not talking in riddles. You can't not hear what I'm saying. It's too simple. I know that in my heart. I'm not being arrogant or presumptuous right now. You're not, I prayed to God a long time ago. I said, Lord, if you're going to put me on a plane and fly me to a place, and this man's going to be humble enough to give me a mic and stand me in his pulpit, then I've got to preach it clear. And, and I want to preach it in a way where a man only has two choices when I'm done. You say, two, why not one? Because you have a free will, and he's not, he doesn't have your name with a, a remote with your name on it hmm, Alan, worship me. Bow before me. It's not like that. I said, when i have done preaching, I want a man to only have two choices. That he says, man, I hear what you're saying, and I want that. Or he says, man, I hear what you're saying, I just don't want that. But please, God, don't let anybody go, what's he trying to say? I don't get that in my life. People don't say, you have me so confused. I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't ever get that in my life. People say it's so simple. A child could get it. Man, it sounds like a trumpet shout. And wow, is that clear? Whoa, so simple, but profound. Why? It's my faith. It's my heart. It's something that I feel like so on my life to make it clear so you can see. Because the love of God wants you to see. The God of the wor- this world works with blindness. God works with light. See, if you don't see, you can't believe. How can they believe if they haven't heard? How can they hear if no one tells them? How can they tell them if they haven't been sent? Well, I've been sent and I've told you and you can't tell me you didn't hear. (laughs) So now it boils down to what do we believe? What are we open for? What are we willing for? It's your privilege. You can leave here and have animosity in your home and your family. You can stay selfish. It's your choice. But you're paying the price because you're aborting. What you're here for? You're missing your creative value. You're stepping out of grace. That's why life is frustrating. That's why people are so moody and frustrated and touchy. Do you ever see people so touchy? They're like so touchy. You, you're like feel like you're on eggshells around them, pins and needles. They're just so moody and touchy, and everything's a burden and a problem. And they've been driven into such a self-centered perspective. They feel sorry for themselves. They're at a lonely party, and it's like nobody understands. Delusion, it's deception. The reason life feels that way, you're waking up every day living outside of why you're here, so there's no grace to empower your life. You're living apart from Him. So you're a dry and thirsty land. You're an empty cup, and yet He's anointed my head and my cup runneth over. So if I'm called to have a running over cup and I'm living as an empty cup, that has to be miserable because my identity and my calling and destiny is an overflowing cup. So he, feeds the, 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 he fills the thirsty and floods the dry ground. That's supposed to be our lives. He's filling the thirsty and flooding the dry ground. Why? Anointed our head, our cup runneth over. He anointed my head and he strengthened me like the wild ox. Why a wild ox? Because you're not a domestic ox. You can't put a yoke on a wild ox. He'll kill himself. He'll break the yoke. He'll do something, but you ain't going to yoke him and break his will and get him to walk in a circle and tread out the grain and do the will of another. That's what a yoke does. It gets on your life and forces you to do the will of another. What's the anointing do? Breaks the yoke. Yeah? Yeah? It's what sin does. It's why Egypt and sin and Egypt, the land of bondage. It's why David said he saved me from the miry clay. He's referring to sin, but it's all going back to Egypt and back to... Moses' day. What were the Israelites doing? They're under the bondage of Pharaoh who's a type and shadow of the devil, the enemy. And they're in a foreign land held captive by something called Pharaoh. And they're in mud and mire and muck every day treading in the mud to make bricks to build the kingdom of another. That's what sin is. It's outside your created value. Sin is you putting bricks and building a monument for someone else. It's building the kingdom of another. That's why you come out from among them. It's not because God's a legalist. It's because he's building his kingdom. And when you just don't address these things and you just stay in sin and you get your conscience violated or condemned or guilty or ashamed, all of a sudden every day you're still just in, under this bondage and you're just building the kingdom of another and you're captive and you're yoked and you're working out the will of another not your father. Egypt is symbolic to sin, land of bondage, building monuments to Pharaoh, building huge monuments to honor Pharaoh. That's what sin is. Laying on my couch a long, long time ago. I asked the Lord about all these things. He said, the land of bondage you need is a type and shadow of sin in people's lives. That's why David said, you saved me from the miry clay. I don't ever have to tread in that pit again. And I don't ever have to put the brick on the monument of another. I don't ever have to bring glory to another again. I can bring glory to his name. Why? Because I'm surrendered. Because I denied myself and picked up my cross. And I'm following him. I'm done with excuses. I'm done with letting what people don't see become my vision. If he's the light of the world. Come on. Can't not hear that. How do I get there, pastor? That's so intense. I feel overwhelmed. That sounds like too much to conquer. You'll never get there on your own. You'll never just say, okay, I'm going to do it, brother. Good message. Great. Got it. You don't do it. You become it. Come on, I'm going to give you the punchline right here in closing. I've got a couple minutes to close. You don't do this message, you become this message. How do I become it? You get alone with him and make sure you stay alone with him in your life at times. You don't have to be there all day long. Don't be deceived. You learn to have relationship with God. I can work 10-hour days, seven days a week and have fellowship, intimacy and communion with God. Don't get talked out of it. I can have communion with Jesus all the time. I don't have to be in a room alone. You develop your heart to know him. You commune with him. You live with him. You don't have a date with him. And then leave the date and let the momentum of the date get you through the day. And you can't wait till I see you again. I'm not making appointments with God. He lives in me. (laughs) Come on, man. If every morning you said, good morning, Marietta, you're so beautiful. I love you so much. And she said, oh, great. And you guys just did your little cuddle thing and hug. And and then you left and didn't see each other the whole day or communicated all. And and then at night you said, hey, how was your day? My day was great. How about you? Oh, I love you. baby. Yeah, me too. See you in the morning. And then in the morning you wake up and do that and don't see each other all day. Your relationship, you'd never even be close. You wouldn't even get to know each other. And you might brush against each other. Because you're there. But you wouldn't grow in relationship. You see what I'm saying? You know how many people live like that with God? How many people complicate this thing? and Say they're too busy to know him? You could be a woman. You could have seven, eight children. It's crazy. I don't know how women do that part. Like, (laughs) that's a lot of men. You're like pregnant all the time. Like, that's a lot of kids. Like, I just saw a family. They said, we got ten kids. I'm like for real, and I looked at the lady, she's a little thing, smiling, and she's just a little, like a little beanpole thing, and I'm like, you're the mom of all these kids? I said, no, I'm in unbelief. She said, I am. I just love children. I'm like, oh, she's probably pregnant now. (laughs) Help. (laughs) But who knows there's a reality of 10 children? Who knows there's a lot going on? Who knows 10 kids got 10 things going? Who knows that you could easily just disqualify yourself and think you can't know Jesus because you're the mom of ten kids when you better know Jesus because you're the mom of ten kids and you got to know Jesus. (laughs) So what you do is you live with him. While you're doing your things, you're not married to the washing machine because you have ten kids. You're married to him. But you gotta wash a lot of clothes. So while you wash clothes, bless your children. Every time you pull Billy's little shirt out, God, thank you for that boy. Oh my goodness, there's Leslie's dress. God, I'm so blessed. I thank you. She's one of my ten. And shakarabakasa, Father, I just say, yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah? that sure beach man, laundry, laundry, laundry. You think all I do is wash? You think I'm just married to this kitchen? And then the guy's driving to work and he's just as bummed. Work, work, work. 100 degrees and I've got to get out on that roof. That's unbearing and nobody can handle that. No wonder I'm grumpy. No wonder I'm miserable. No wonder I'm hard to live with. If you had my life, they'd be that way too. <laughs> Rather than God, man, it's hot. And I know i got to get on that roof, but I thank You for Your grace. Man, would You show grace to my co-workers. And would you just let your goodness and your glory, man, it is what it is. Crazy temperatures, crazy weather. Man, let us get that roof done and just let people be protected and keep us from that heat. But God, I worship you. Thanks for my babies back home. And man, my wife watching over them kids. Your wisdom abound, your mercy abound. I just love you, Jesus. Why is that so hard? Why is that so hard? (laughs) Or we're doing religious stuff and we're doing our little prayer meetings and our little Bible studies and our little women's group and our little men's group And then you're blessing all your children and praying and everybody's crying and they're prophesying over little Johnny. And then you're doing wash and Johnny's stuff's inside out. And you just prayed for him to be a mighty man of God in all the days of his life. And you're all prophesying over Johnny's destiny. Now you're at the wash. You're frustrated because if you told him once, you told him a hundred times, mommy has not heard enough. And I told you, I'm just washing stuff inside out and it's going to your drawer inside out. If you can't take the time to love mommy enough to turn that thing right back out, then I'm just man. And all of a sudden you pull that thing out after coming from tears and you go. He's just never going to get it. If I told that boy once, I'd go, man, he's just never going to get it. I think sometimes he just does this on purpose to test me. I was like, my boy. Oh, I'm not that far off. Boy, I wish we weren't so alive in ourselves. I wish we were way more alive in him. You get alone with Jesus and you talk about that with him. You say, I thank you. My life's a gift. And God, I'm not going to disregard that and I'm going after that. It ain't about failing, it's about becoming. And I believe you're going to empower me because I have a solid yes in my heart. I don't have a maybe or I'm going to give it a shot. I want to follow you. And I want who you are to live in me so that men know you, not so men esteem me, so men know you. And if my life is changed and can bring change to somebody else's life, that's immeasurable joy. God, would you do this thing in me? I yield myself to you. Wouldn't that be amazing to wake up that way every day? Wouldn't it wake up to just cover a multitude of sin with love? Wouldn't it be amazing to have unspeakable joy without trying to get happy? Wouldn't it be amazing if you could just live with a perspective that produces all these things without effort? If you get alone with God and get in the word, and you know the truth and the truth make you free and you just see different, you'll be different. Wonder if grace is that simple. And wonder if you don't change yourself. Wonder if he gets all the glory. And wonder if all you're guilty of in the end is believing. <laughs> I'm gonna quit there because I'm four minutes late. Wonder if all you're guilty of in the end is believing. Are you with me? Listen, I'm just I just shut down like this in the first service. I'm going to do it again. Sunday mornings where my heart is. Usually I don't usually don't go into a lot of ministry and all that stuff because I feel like the word is so bam. We ought to sit on it. We ought to walk in it. We ought to keep it in front of us. I will pray over you if you let me. And if you want to do anything, minister, pray. It's not that I'm saying you shouldn't or can't. It's just where I'm at. But father, I ask this word become life in this room. I ask that your wisdom becomes our wisdom in every way. And, Lord, God, I pray that this whole room, every heart here would be encouraged in their present situation. I pray they find truth in their present situation. And I pray, Lord, we get real with ourselves and real with you and your grace make a difference in our lives. Lord, my heart is that everyone in this room would be a sound yes. That no one would talk around truth and just let past hurts and things and situations and facts rule their life. I pray no one would be a present day talk show in this room but I pray we will live redeemed and brand new in Christ and have eyes to see people for what they're created for and their value. God, teach us to carry our cross and let our light so shine before men. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to walk with every one of us in an intimate way, wherever it is we are, and take us to that place in Jesus' name. Amen.